Welcome to the Deep Sexy Play Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Love, and this is my uncensored space designed to stimulate your mind and give you full permission to explore your curiosities and express your deepest sexual desires. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get turned on. So welcome back to the podcast and I have a very exciting interview today for you with a very amazing and incredible woman and in fact this is the very first interview I've ever done uh, on the podcast and I'm sure it'll be the first of many especially with with this woman that I'm about to introduce felt like this was just such a beautiful podcast interview to do especially with the woman that I've been speaking to that have been listening to the podcast and have been curious about learning more and I just felt like let's let's give them some really epic um, learnings about the history of sexuality and sex work and I couldn't think of a better person to um, share about that with. So let me share first a bit about you. So Anna has been involved in the adult industry for over 40 years and she started out as a sex worker, um, became highly successful escort and dominatrix and then went on to brothel management and ownership and she now owns a conscious sexuality venue and club that is devoted to the exploration of this conscious sexuality and really is what I see is the first of its kind in Australia and I see that this is going to be the beginning of many more of these types of venues. Um, she also knows firsthand that sexuality works is a profession that brings about profound healing to both the worker and their clients. And her vision is to completely revolutionize the sex industry by teaching women conscious sexuality and embodiment and providing spaces they can safely and professionally offer their work. She's also been an advisor to health department officials over two pandemics and has worked with governments to bring about legal changes around the industry. And she also has degrees in law, psychology and sexual health and has also been trained in trauma and BDSM. Wow. <laughs> You've sounds like a busy life doesn't it <laughs> yeah you've had an amazing life and um i've had the privilege of hearing many of your stories which you're going to get to share about on this podcast um this this is like the more like this is your your experience and i think the, the stories are the best part so i'm excited to um hear about more of those and share more of those but before we do that i would like to uh, tell the story of how we actually met and what we're actually doing now because Anna and I are actually have collaborated together in creating what we believe is absolutely going to revolutionize the sex industry and we have an incredible vision for where this is going to go and how this is going to impact the world and essentially uh, create a sexual revolution. So um, Anna and I actually met at uh, an, an event called Enlightenment in the Bedroom and I was actually not speaking there, but I was asked to do a short, it was about two minute talk about my book. And I, I don't always mention that I've worked in the sex industry in my, in my little two minute chat, but for some reason I did. And so I got up and I spoke for two minutes about my 
book and I said, you know, I've worked in the sex industry as an escort. And that was enough for Anna to come up and, and want to chat to me about that. So I'd love to hear from you, Anna, what was that like for you um, when you hear, heard me share about that? Um, I um, wasn't even meant to be at that event that wow. night either. Um, and it was a last minute, literally bought tickets on the way there. Um, and I was introducing my partner to some new concepts. So I was very more, I guess, focused on him and I guess hoping he was enjoying and listening. And when you spoke for that brief moment, my, I don't know, something just, oh, pay attention. And the first word I sentence I tuned in was uh, um, you talking about how you used to be an escort. I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, so I listened with great interest and I did a message that resonated with me, something that I've always felt very, very deeply actually be spoken by another person, which actually was unbelievably exciting for me. I went and grabbed copies of your book, um, grabbed them for people that worked for me as well and thought, oh, my God, I want to work with this woman. <laughs> mm, yeah, I love that. And I love the universe and how it just puts people in the right places in the right time. Like I said, I was not technically speaking at the event, uh, but I was there in the audience and got up and you know, shared a little bit and it was just enough. So, uh, yeah, so we stayed in, in contact and then um, I started mentoring Anna um, and her and, you know, got to know your vision and got to uh, hear about what you saw and what you're creating. And I was just like, wow, this is the vision I had six, seven years ago now when I was doing the sacred sexuality work and, and, I thought to myself, oh, this could revolutionize the sex industry. This is, wow, imagine if, imagine if every worker had access to this knowledge. Imagine if they knew what was possible. And I didn't, I, I did start with um, training some woman and then I went down a, a bit of a different path because of my own healing journey around relationships. And I didn't had never really come back to that and I thought I was so funny I thought I was complete I was like oh I'm complete with that part of my life but hilariously the universe <laughs> didn't think so and <laughs> and so when brought you into my life and um over that time we realized that like, hang on this there's, there's like what 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 I've experienced and what you have experienced are so complementary to each other there's something here for us to explore it's like I feel like what we both do is actually so unique. Like not many people have done this work or have, have had the experience in this, in this world and in the way that we have. And I think that it's, it's not like just going and finding a business coach and you know, it's like there's, there's, there's a uniqueness about what we have done that only can, I believe can only come from lived experience. And so with your lived experience and my lived experience and bringing and coming together, we were, we were very much like, okay, we, we need to create a training. Like, and, and I've run trainings before, but I felt there was definitely things that were missing. And I feel like what was missing is what you provide. 
And so, and we'll talk about that more later, but I just felt like there was just a nice, beautiful union. I remember when I said to you, would you be open? I've got an idea. And you would, you would jump in for joy. I'm so excited. I, I remember that moment. It was like a moment of birth that was so exciting. I love that was the best response ever. You were like, yes, yes, yeah. I was like, oh, amazing. Okay. I was like, <laughs> I was like okay, universe, I guess that's a yes. <laughs> that was a hell yes, EJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so nice to, you know, when people coming into collaboration in this way to have have those um that deep resonance and um the similar visions. So that is that is how we met. And then over the past few months, we've really been developing this training. We've been in a lot of conversations with a lot of women that have been like really interested in this work. And um, we've gone to Sexpo and we've been making uh, bringing conscious sexuality to to Sexpo and doing talks and and just having like such an incredible response. Like I was actually one of the stories I had, Anna, was that oh, there wouldn't actually be enough women interested in this work. Like I'm and I thought I was the only one for so long. Yeah, but the response has been incredible. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um... I, I would agree. I've had so many conversations with such a wide range of women from such diverse backgrounds um, and that fabulous thing that while I'm talking to them, you know, I'm learning more about them and mm. what we need to offer and that fabulous experience of learning from them and their experiences as well, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's what I'm loving too. I actually flew down to uh, Newcastle uh, for one of your conscious erotic parties um, and that that um, is run at um, the venue, the conscious sexuality venue there. And uh, we had, it was such a fun night. We had a great time. I was going to say, didn't we have fun? <laughs> <laughs> and I also got to meet a couple of the women there that um, have been working in the sex industry who have already been feeling the call to the healing work and are, you know, wanting more support and just sitting down and having a coffee and having a conversation. I actually think we had a cocktail, I have a couple of cocktails as well <laughs> um, on a beautiful rooftop and sitting down and having these amazing conversations and then sharing about the men that are coming to them. And that's what I'm loving is like the, the woman that I'm working with that are, you know, stepping into this work and uh, the clients, the the men that are just, and the couples even that are just so curious and hungry, like there is a demand out there. And I, like, I love that. And I think that's, that there's a demand for this work. Definitely. And in our, look, in our conscious sexuality parties, I'm, I'm seeing a yearning from, from couples about conscious and sacred sexuality from, from a wide cross-section of age, I've had people now coming to our parties that are in their uh, post-70 age group, loving an opportunity to learn something that they felt was always missing from their intimacy. So I think it's a really exciting time to be involved in this growth. Yes, and we're definitely going to do another, another podcast on your conscious sexuality parties. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, as other people will know who have listened to my other podcast episodes, I was a swinger for a long time and was very unconscious. And um, now it's like, oh, I'm, I'm still curious about connecting with people in these environments, but I don't want to go to a party that's really like a drug or, you know, alcohol fueled. I want the parties that have 
you know, guided practices and things that um, we can have real intimacy and, and, and that understanding around boundaries and consent. I think that's really essential. So I, if I if I keep going, I'll get carried away and we'll end up on a different podcast. But I just wanted to land that there for other people, for the people listening, that there will be another podcast about that because I love what um, you've created with, with what you're doing with that. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, and we, as you know, we talked a lot about that at Sexpo as well. So I think all this conscious sexuality growth is feeding into all, all different outlets, which is fabulous. Yeah, and also what we experienced at Sexpo was there was a lot of women who uh, might not necessarily want to do the offer conscious sexuality work to men or couples, but they are just wanting for themselves. They just really feel like, oh, I just really want to learn this for myself. For myself. So we really realised that actually we want to open this up to training to to women that are sex worker friendly, not sex workers themselves, but also like are wanting, like I want to learn how to like worship my partner or understand men's sexuality or embody different feminine archetypes and bring that into the bedroom, like for themselves rather than, um, you know, as a necessarily a service. And I think that is, um, was really beautiful to hear from women of all ages who are um, curious about that. I think the, the call to heal EJ is an intrinsic part of a lot of women and yes some work in the adult industry because that is a, a very strong healing profession but there are a lot of other ones so to be able to heal in your professional life but just to be able to heal in your personal life is a very uh, important part of that uh, healing call that a lot of women feel. Yes agreed and that has absolutely been been my journey and and uh so beautiful to be able to offer this to to other women who feel like that 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 call to heal around their sexuality and do sexuality um or, and journey with their sexuality in a more conscious and embodied and sacred way so I'll, I'll get carried away again if we go too much into that so but i want to hear more of your stories so um so I would love to know actually the story of how you actually ended up becoming a sex worker. Like how did you actually get into the, the adult industry? Such a good story. Um, I grew up in a really, really devout Catholic family where the Catholic guilt was loud and strong. Um, but being a little bit of a rebel at heart, I, um, I always had a fascination with the Mary Magdalene story. Um, I, I didn't really understand it at that age, but I just always felt that she was kind of the coolest person in all the stuff that we were taught in church schools. Um, but when I was about 17, so we're talking too young to be in the adult industry, but in that time in my life it didn't matter because the entire adult industry was illegal anyway so all those wonderful things now we have that are part of a semi-legal industry didn't didn't exist so for some reason needing some money I looked in a magazine and deciphered that someone was looking for um, I think it was nude models or something along those lines so I went and did a little bit of this nude modeling and it was creepy 
I did not feel safe at all. I never wanted to do that again. But the fellow mentioned to me I might want to do escort work. So I hunted around because it was all underground then and literally I found a phone number and the way the adult industry worked then is you had a brief conversation with someone on a phone who maybe asked you three or four questions, that was it, and all on your own then they just started sending you out to meet men for jobs and pretty much you worked it all out on your own from then so I think my very first job I met a man in a hotel and I actually learned how to be a sex worker from my customers which be, which when I look back now is absolutely terrifying but it was illegal so you didn't know who your bosses were you didn't know who you worked for and there was a, a constant fear of being caught but more tragically you didn't uh, have a relationship with other sex workers so that's how it started and I guess grew from there. <laughs> and, and just so our listeners know like what what when was that like what era let's say was that was that in the 19 that's early 1980s early 1980s wow yeah yeah so early 1980s so sex work was illegal um pretty much in every state in australia and and very underground so of course the profession has always and will always exist but at that time it was yeah very very underground, um, very unsafe, um, and very unsupported. And was that was um, safe sex work promoted then, or was it not? Because you said something to me that I exist wasn't even didn't exist. Uh, yeah. which seems um, to me so wild to think that, <laughs> like, not. Like to not have safe sex work blows my mind. I'm like, what? So if you think about um, pre-HIV or pre-AIDS, um, as it was called then, um, people didn't, the general population didn't really think about safe sex. The only reason um, people, I would, I guess, would use a condom or something like that was for birth control. And so once the pill was a possibility, there was really no need for birth control and people didn't really think about um, sexually transmitted diseases um, until, of course, one came along that potentially took lives and that made a big difference. That made a huge difference. Um, but before that, yeah, it was just really a lot of luck. Um, women used to get checked regularly and if they had a disease, they took medication and got on with it. Um, using safe sex was not well supported by employers. So if you worked for someone else, they wouldn't be keen well, my experience, look, everyone had a different experience, but my experiences were that employers were not keen on that because they felt that their male customers would not use them. And probably at that time, that may well have been correct. Well, I'm sitting here just like with my, like my head. Um, <laughs> space and time. Like... I know it just sounds so 
um, bizarre now. Yeah, my, I mean, my eyes are like, what? <laughs> this seems so, so wild. Um, and what, something that I loved that you said um, to me, and this is related to this, is that every sexual revolution started in the sex industry. And because this, this is where, where you've led into something really, really exciting about, I mean, when AIDS come along, came along, that was terrible. And at that time, the adult industry was incredibly underground because it was underground. It was often um, associated with organised crime. Um, sex workers were seen as the carrier of diseases. And you know what? Sometimes it was linked to organised crime because it was underground is kind of how it worked. But then this pandemic came along and people were really confused and really scared. And at the start, they knew it was linked to sex, but they there wasn't a real understanding of how or why. So people got scared. And for the first time, the adult industry really and truly thought that it may cease to exist, but it didn't. And what happened is that sex workers started to advocate for the use of condoms and safe sex, and they actually led that change. Sex workers started demanding that they were used and the general population actually followed. And so the sex industry actually changed a complete culture around safe sex. We now know that as a sector of the community, sex workers have the highest clean bill of health in terms of sexual transmitted diseases because they are incredibly health conscious. But it didn't just stop there. The really exciting thing, because the adult industry had been so connected to health, governments started to realise, okay, we can't push this underground anymore. We want people to be healthy. So we are going to have to start accepting the adult industry as a legitimate industry, which meant we started to have legal changes as well. And, I mean, some really exciting things happened out of that. An um, unbelievable pioneer in the adult industry was actually given the Order of Australia for her contribution in saving lives as a sex worker by promoting the use of condoms and really advocating for owners of brothels to make sure all their staff used condoms. So she was given an order in Australia and a similar award was given to a lady in New Zealand. Wow, I feel like just hearing that, like I feel pride in in having been a sex worker and like just celebrating the sex workers who stood up and advocated for sexual health and for safe sex and how that has actually made safe sex uh, ch change the culture around safe sex and totally. the impact and that they were so brave because you know some of the people operating in the adult industry in that time were you know quite fierce people <laughs> yeah and especially with it being like it was illegal then is that correct Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And standing up and everything, like, wow, that's a, that's amazing. Like, yeah. Ah, yeah. So just like so many powerful people that have worked in the in this field. And um, one thing I also want to touch on, which is which I think is really, just want to I just want to bust this this belief that some people have that sex workers must have lots of STDs. Like they they like 
you know, I just hear people joke about it sometimes. Is that because they have so much sex? And I'm like, I was so incredibly health conscious, as you say. And I often will say to people like they they actually are, um, and I love that you've you know saying that statistic like there's there's like statistics being done on that because I just know that they you know there's such a health conscious around that um, for people that work in the industry because it's their job on the line they have, like to to be having to be checked and get health like STD checks is so important as a sex worker so to anyone that ever says oh you know they must have lots of stds or being really unhealthy because they have lots of sex i just want to like bust that belief because it's definitely not true totally kick that onto the curb yeah. um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um comes from very old myths maybe around those times before there was safe sex but I've never met a sex worker who's not incredibly careful and, and proud of their own sexual health. Yeah, I often say, like, before, I was way less. I, I had lots of sex before I became a sex worker and I was way less conscious of using condoms, whereas when I became one, I was, it was like, very, very, it was very strict. And then... And then that also then impacted my personal life and, and, and my mindset around sex and my personal life as well and, and being more conscious of safe sex. So I definitely think it, you know, it says, it says something for sure. Yeah. So, I um, mean, like 40 years of working in the adult industry, you must have seen so many changes and so many things. I'd love to hear, like, what are some other things or changes that you've seen in your time that you would um, you think are important to share? Um, I have seen a change in social acceptance. Um, there is still a long way to go, <laughs> a long way to go. But there is, a, you know, there's a, a, a growth in people being able to tell their friends and family or people they care about them that they work in the adult industry, whereas, you know, that... <laughs> Um, you know, in the 80s and probably even half the 90s, everyone was living very, very difficult double lives where they couldn't tell anyone what they did. So I certainly notice that, especially with a lot of the younger women I work with, that that is changing. Um, some of, obviously, the legality is a big one, but the legalities um, also lead to things that are sometimes not always easier that it's easier to go to a doctor and say I'm a sex worker or it's easier to go to a lawyer and say I'm a sex worker um, so those kind of things they have definitely changed a lot although the adult industry is still very affected by people's ignorance and I guess their um, moral um, opinions I have seen the adult industry changed a lot in the last five or six years. Um, not all, all of that has been great, um, I guess, around pornography and that how that affects people's perception um, of sex and intimacy. So I, I've seen a big change shift in that and I, I think we see that maybe more so in the adult industry. Mm, yeah, I, I was just feeling into like, I mean, back, you know, 1980s with the porn, it would be magazines, right? And now the internet is is just, it's so accessible for people to, to watch porn. And 
I just, yeah, I totally get that that would have an impact on, on the sex industry. I know when I worked, I was, I, I didn't actually offer porn star experiences because I didn't want to have expectations on me to have to act a certain way and because um, it just wasn't me. It just wasn't what I wanted to, to, to offer. And I now know why, because I felt more of the calling to the, you know, the conscious yeah. sacred sexual healing path. Um, so, yeah, I can totally get the, the impact of having, and, and also because I've um, helped a lot of men with porn addiction and I've seen the impacts. And, um, and also it's interesting because I feel like that um, those two experiences are like kind of polar opposites, like a porn star experience compared to like a sacred sexual healing. I like it's, it's two like polar opposites of, of the type of service and not to make either either right or wrong. It's just a different different types and there's, there's, you know, people that are called to different things, but I definitely feel like the, the, the sacred sexual healing is, is that's where I've done the work around helping men who, you know, like have watched a lot of porn and then the impacts that they've experienced because of that and not being able to perform or you know, feeling really disconnected and shame around their, around their sexuality. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of people that have experienced, um, I guess, a lot of their sex education from watching porn. So even uh, I guess five or six years ago, or maybe even three or four years ago, a porn star experience was an extra service that some people would provide at an extra cost with everyone on board. That that was a fantasy service, and that that worked. But now it's kind of more a presumption that that kind of services what's just almost presumed as a standard service um, which is quite difficult because a lot of people have had five ex, five or six years of sex education via porn and porn I guess takes them out of their body and actually decreases their ability to have an embodied experience with a sex worker. Mm, that's really interesting because I haven't worked for that time so I, I it's interesting that it's now becoming in you know more of an expectation and a yeah. lot of the conversations I've been having with some sex workers is that they feel they, they feel this expectation and they feel you know tired and exhausted and it's and it's hard to even often sometimes get men to think differently about that um and and so I'm I'm curious, what do you think is the way out of this, like out of out of getting men away from looking for those porn experiences um, or out of porn addiction? I think it's circular too because we need to remember that also a lot of young women have only been educated around sex by men who were, have been watching porn. So for young women a lot of the time that's what they feel is an expectation of a sexual interaction as well because some of them are watching porn themselves but also they're partnering with men. So it's quite circular. Um, I think the way out of it is probably twofold. We have to understand that men watching porn also creates a guilt and shame cycle. We need to move away from that and offer them something because I genuinely believe that people watch porn or have those kind of experiences because that's what they know, but we have this incredible ability to offer them something much better, something will actually fill them up and touch them. 
And the same is with women. We can teach them to offer men something that will protect and honour their own bodies and also help the men to grow, and that too is circular. Um, when we're dealing with sexual energy, it is a powerful life force, which means the adult industry will always be a fantastic platform for big changes. And so big changes can be by using that sexual energy for healing. And I just believe that more people that are exposed to that, they'll just, it feels right. Mm, yes, I've got a big smile on my face here because I 100% agree. And yeah. I just wanted to touch on that guilt-shame cycle you spoke about initially because that is something I just really commonly saw with the men that were coming to me who had the porn addiction is that they just felt so guilty and ashamed around the porn watching, especially when it was, you know, they, they knew it was impacting their relationships, it was impacting their work, it was impacting how they function and it was impacting their sexual performance and feeling that, but then that then avoiding feeling the guilt and shame by watching more porn. And so like there's this, this vicious cycle that, that happens and the way that I see what you spoke about, and this is the work that I did with offering, you know, sacred sexual healing services and is that that's when men actually get to experience uh, being able to feel and release the guilt and shame and be held in that. And then underneath the guilt and shame is actually where all the embodied pleasure is. You know, it's through the feeling those emotions that men then can actually feel the pleasure that's actually in their bodies, not on the outside friction-based pleasure or outside watching something on a screen or, you know, watching something or fantasizing. It's like, it's in their bodies and that's where all that sexual life force energy is and so that what i see is that that's that different experience between you know going and having a um say a performance-based sexual experience which might be the man is externalizing his pleasure um focusing on looking at the visual aspect or focusing on that friction-based whereas the more embodied sexual experience um, which is what we um, are training women to be able to to, to experience with themselves and with um, men is where they actually get to come into their bodies and actually feel what's actually within them that is 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 available to them when they actually open their sexual energy and really this is what we should be teaching the men and what we used to what used to be taught in um, through initiation processes, actually, they're like a sexual initiation where they're actually learning how to cultivate their sexual energy, which is really what the work that I did with men was teaching, like taking them through this initiation and, and, and taking and showing them a whole new way. And it's so exciting and it, that we get to pass this on, that we get to, that we are teaching other women how to do this with men and offer this, this kind of work. And I guess that that leads, and I keep using the word circular because I love that circular flow of things. Love it. But when you talk about initiation, if we go back a couple of thousand years, that initiation used to happen with a sex worker. She wasn't called a sex worker there. She would have been a sacred prostitute or there was a number of different names. But 
young men were initiated into linking their bodies and their sexuality by spending time with a high priestess or a, a, a sex worker. So originally that was the work of a sex worker to provide men with that initiation passage of learning about connecting sexuality and their bodies and their spirituality. Mm, yes, yes, yes. And this leads me to where I really wanted to go is around um, the history of sex work and Oh, I, I, I wrote a beautiful article on this and it is just, and I've, I've, I'd heard this already before and I was aware of um, these temples where men would go essentially to, what, what I'd heard and read about was where uh, men coming back from war would go to these temples to see these sacred sexual priestesses and to be cleansed of their trauma so that they could then go back to their wives and then procreate with that, all that trauma stored so they weren't passing it on. So I would love to hear from you like um, about the history of sex work that you know, um, which I find really interesting. Can I just say, I just got prickles when you talked about the healing of trauma because that is the gift. I strongly believe because underneath trauma for all of us is a gift. So that's such a good explanation of coming back from war, which is just a really good, I guess, example or picture of what trauma can look like and coming back and cleansing yourself, moving that trauma through your body, through sexuality. Um, that's just a perfect example. But, yeah, we have... Sex work is not called the old profession. There is good reason. So as far back as we have records, we have some indication of some forms of sex work happening. Um, if we look back, I guess the most prevalent time with lots of recorded histories, you know, pretty well before Christ in Babylon and Sumatra, where there were literally dozens of temples of goddesses they were of the highest calibre of the society, so they were seen as the most important people in society. And you would take your sons to be initiated. And it was very much about learning to link your body and your sexuality and your spirituality together. And there was a real learning process and the sacred prostitutes were honoured because they had that knowledge and that knowledge was passed down from generation to generation. It was the greatest honour to be a sacred prostitute, but all young women also had a rite of passage that as part of their initiation, they would offer a sexual service in, in exchange for a currency um, as part of their, so they understood the teaching that they could give to men and EJ, you're completely correct, coming back from war to be cleansed from trauma was a, a common, common thing. Also for kings and royal families would actually seek the services of a sacred prostitute. So before they um, became a monarch or before they entered into a difficult part of their reign, they would be cleansed by a connection with a... Um, sacred sex worker um, I believe in, in some cult 
churches. It was also part of a pre-marriage, kind of like olden day um, marriage counselling where time was spent with a sacred sex worker to teach people to use their sexual union as a tool of growth and to get rid of trauma before they entered into marriage. Um, and this continued for a very long time. There's documented records going back for thousands and thousands of years of this kind of thing happening and it really only ended quite dramatically as Christianity started to spread throughout the country or throughout the world. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just feels so amazing that you said like, like being a sacred prostitute was one of like the greatest honours and I feel like such a polarity of what's happened and what I'm hearing from you is like when Christianity is spread that that is when it all changed. So um, something that we've spoken about is um, these temples in Corinth in Greece. I'd love to you to share. I know you visited this place and I'd love you to share about your experience and like tell me more about this place. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, when Christianity came along for a lot of reasons, many, many of them are contentious, but it, a lot of beliefs are that that kind of thing was just actually quite um, threatening to essentially a Christian-based religion that morphed into something that was quite patriarchal and male-based and anything to do with sex, sex workers included, was very quickly deemed a sin and sexual thoughts were evil. And that's, I guess how Christianity grew. So with sex being shameful, so were sex workers and so were goddesses. There, there's a lot of beliefs that one of the reasons they had to go is because they were so very powerful. But part of the spread of Christianity meant that goddess temples or women who were goddesses went into hiding and their temples could no longer be used as temples. But in Corinth, in Greece, there is an area that was believed to be a temple of Athena, who um, is one of the goddesses of sex and sexuality. Um, at some, it is rumored that at one stage there were two thousand sacred sexuality working workers in just that area, which you think as a sector of the population that's huge. And as Christianity spread, this area of Corinth in Greece became the epicenter of goddess worship. They did not want to let go of their goddesses. So St. Paul, who was a big advocate of Christianity, eventually travelled to Corinth. And there is in this most incredible space where you can stand in Corinth and you can actually stand where St. Paul delivered his Letters to the Corinthian, which is a, a very cornerstone of Catholic and Christian faith. And if you read it as a modern-day woman, it's also incredibly misogynous. And that was delivered literally with his back to what used to be the temples of Athena while it was still being destroyed. So you can actually go to Corinth and look at where that happened you can actually look at the temple and look at St Paul and to me that is a really symbolic spot of where 
I guess the big change happened. But for me, it was also the spot where I sat there and thought, wow, if such a big change could happen, then it could happen round the other way. We could turn that back. We could bring back that goddess. We could bring back where I can definitely see that religion doesn't dictate the world the way it did even 30 or 40 years ago. So we can turn that around and create a balance. So a balance between some of the patriarchal messages and some of the matriarchal messages and blend that together to create a beautiful world. Mm, yeah, I do think about, like, imagine if this was this work was really accessible to people and it was really well known and it became more you know, common and normalised to go and see a sacred sexuality worker and um, the healing that would have and, and for even for men to go and get their initiations instead of going to to watch watch porn, like, like wow, that would be... Oh, that would change the world like, and that's what you and I are talking about. Yeah. yeah. Would be beautiful. And then, you know, there's a lot of anger that comes up, you know, men watch porn and they think sexual relating is a certain way and then they spend perhaps time with a sex worker who and he doesn't come in perhaps with particularly good intentions and then she feels angry and then he feels angry and there's a lot of anger in that exchange as opposed to healing yeah and it's, it's totally different i was having this conversation with some one of my clients about how it's so different when a man is coming with the intention for healing rather yeah. than just coming to to have a fun or you know just have a, some kind of sexual experience or even just to you know have an ejaculation it's quite the the the, the energy is, is quite different and you know, I've had men, excuse me, <clears throat> really get really vulnerable and really open up and get really emotional. And it's so beautiful to, to be able to have a space where men can just fall apart, open up and, you know, feel the freedom and liberation and, and really being held and being seen. And I feel like that is what a gift and what a, like to, an honour to be able to offer that. And that's really you know, everything that you're saying is what um, you and I both have this vision to to support women into this work and what we came up with and, and actually something that you shared with me, um, a quote that is actually on our um, conscious sexuality training page, it said, I'm going to read this out, it says, once upon a time, sexual women ruled the world. They were independent, empowered and embodied love. Their energy flowed through every crevice of the earth with the capacity to heal and restore. These women were sacred prostitutes and it's time they were reawakened. Mm. 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 And then our vision is to reawaken women to the sacredness, to their sexual empowerment and embodiment, and to be the vessel of love that heals men through offering conscious sexuality experiences mm. I, I, I also feel that part of this is also healing women because women who've worked in the um, adult industry still carry shame from their upbringing 
um, what you know what they were told and what's been imprinted upon them. So a beautiful part of this work is to also offer women an opportunity to heal themselves, to work past their own trauma and to be able to see the beauty of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you're just so speaking to my experiences, like when I started my own sexual healing journey, which for those um, who haven't listened to my this podcast before, I would go back because I actually do talk about that journey in previous podcast episodes, is that when I started to heal myself, I couldn't, I just felt like I couldn't work in the same way that I had been uh, because I felt like I would just keep re-traumatizing and damaging myself and that that would would see men in a different way and I also healed my relationship with men so I could see men in a new light as well and um, see what was possible for when men and women actually come together and able to really connect deeply and and be in love with with and and bring you know embody that love essentially and so that that's revitalizing and energizing and that we can do work that actually um, is nourishing and energizing both to practitioner and to the to the client so this is really about this work is about embodying the goddess and bringing back the sacredness to sexuality work to awaken initiate and heal men and in the process also deep more deep healing for ourselves yeah beautiful huh (laughs) Mm, yeah we we did write that (laughs) yes wow yeah that's on our conscious sexuality um the training page and so uh let's talk about that training i think we've got a little bit of time left just a little bit of time left to to talk about that because if particularly if there's women on here that are listening to this that do work in the sex industry or even just definitely i've definitely spoken to women who just they get the goosebumps or they feel the calling they're like oh like yes there's this this is goddess or this this is priestess inside of me that feels called to embody more of my um, sexuality in a really sacred way. And so really this is what this training is designed for. And so it is a training that's run in person in currently down in Newcastle and uh, which we have plans to expand it to as well. And we have um, briefly spoken about perhaps doing something over in Corinth in Greece at some point to going back to where, where um, the, yeah, the remembering, like remembering how things used to be. And I, I imagine just being in that space, how much remembering would happen if doing, actually doing this work there, that would be incredibly powerful. Yeah, and I think um, another thing we're creating in the training is also that that concept of uh, women in a group supporting each other, creating a community, creating a network, you know, that I guess that generational support of women learning the same things and therefore being able to create their own temple of women. I absolutely a hundred percent agree and then and, and it's environment and community is so important and i've been having conversations with the women that are coming to the next training 
and I, I'm getting to know all of them. And then I'm just imagining them all in the room together. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be such wow. a powerful <laughs> And I was like, I can't wait for them to all connect and, like, the ideas and the, the, th the, the things, the support, like, all of that that's going to come together by being in this group of women and a safe yeah. space because some women – don't have anybody to talk to this stuff to, to about like they they or they might have one person but maybe that person's not really in the work right like and for me I when I started getting into this I I was the only person that I knew doing it and I was like oh I had to figure it out all on my own and and really this training was the train is the training that I wish I had I imagine if I had this group of women and the training like the support, like, wow, I would have just flown at such a bigger level. I mean, it already was like extremely expansive as it was, but I can just imagine like what's going to become possible with just having that support and that community. And um, this, yeah, this, I just, and I just love, like, and I've got the kind of the insider, <laughs> the insider, because I'm, I'm, I'm having these conversations with all these women. I was like, oh, wow, like, you're, you're oh, going to wow. get, I'm like, oh, feeling like, oh, you're really going to connect with her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to speak just um, uh, to a concern that I would like to dispel too. I have had a few women or express to me that they they don't they're not enjoying working in the adult industry anymore for for a whole reasons it doesn't feel true to their bodies true to what they want to be true to what they want to do but they are financially concerned about not doing that anymore and can I just speak from my experience and what I see in the industry that I I think there is enormous potential for anyone doing this training to make the same income or more without making compromises. Yeah, agreed, 100% for sure. And what I've seen happen a lot is that woman creating, um, and this is what I did as well, creating packages, doing stuff that there's ongoing work and the clients are paying for the package, not specifically what's happening in the session like they're like they're like okay I've, i want this is what i want to work on this is what i want to get and like and then they're actually developing packages and then each time they're having new experiences and then i've got um there's there's a client i spoke to this morning she's got a couple that wants to do a retreat with her you know there's there's things that are that there's other things that then get to become possible as well it's not limited to just oh, I'm doing this one-off session and this is what it is. It's like, no, there's that. And then you, you're growing and that, that client, those clients are growing and healing through those sessions. And really that's what we're going to be teaching as trainers, like what, how to take clients on journeys, how to like different session frameworks, like foundational conscious sexuality work um, and sessions and how to offer things like, you know, tantric lingam worship, or a specific ritual around that, uh, how to um, create um, different types of sessions and how to know which practices and um, which rituals do I do? My, my client's coming to me with this. What should I do with them? Um, how to teach your clients boundaries and consent. And, I, you know, I had clients coming to me where, like the session was basically based around boundaries and consent. What an, what an epic thing to be paid for. I'm teaching my client about boundaries and he's paying me for it. 
right? And wanting to learn that because they want to learn that so they can then take it back to their relationships, to their wife, to, you know, or maybe it's with a couple and then they're learning it for themselves and they're trusting that this is, this is what they need. Other things are things like embodied dance, like how to actually embody the archetypes of the dominatrix, the priestess, the queen, the mother, seductress, wise woman, the playful brat. I'm excited about that one. <laughs> so, um, and then how to actually bring this into your sessions, whether it is, you know, pre professionally or you're just bringing like you're embodying these different feminine archetypes and you're bringing it to your relationships and your intimacy with men. So, you know, there's so many things also, you know, tantric and sensual domination, primal play, uh, different, intimate touch. Like I had did many sessions with men, which I was just teaching them about how to actually properly touch a woman to actually make herself feel safe and open her body. I'm like, what an amazing, have, what an amazing thing to teach. And also mm -hmm. like I'm teaching men how to touch me. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in the past when I was doing just normal sex work, it was just like, I would just kind of put up with the touch. And, and I did back then I didn't know that I could actually speak up and say, Hey, like, actually, I don't want to be touched like this. Yeah. It's like, no, I just do what I think the client, you know, what the client wants and I just put up with it, which was very, very damaging to my body. And so one thing that we're really big on, Anna and I is like teaching women how to work and how to be in intimacy with men in a way that is really honoring to their bodies and their boundaries so that they actually feel safe so that they can actually really have their own thriving yummy pleasure and intimacy rather than it just being focused on i'm doing this for the the man and i just have to do it because this is you know this is my obligation or this is my work or whatever it is it's like no actually there it doesn't have to be like that there is another way and i think just an add-on to that all of these things can happen and all of these sessions can happen without any sort of penetration actually being part of the service. That incredible sexual energy and exchange and learning can happen without that necessarily being included. So women can offer incredible services without full service being part of it. Yes, yes, and that's what happened for me. I just got to a point where my body shut down and I didn't mm -hmm. have a choice but I, I had to find another way because I, I enjoyed my lifestyle. I loved my yeah. lifestyle. I didn't want <laughs> to sacrifice my lifestyle. So I had to find another way, So which is why I went and learned all these things and I actually realised, hey, actually, I'm actually making the same money like doing this. This is this is great and I don't have to do anything that I that I don't want, want to do. Like this is, this is like I can really honour my body and I – like, as you know, I'm really passionate about showing women what's possible because of the damage that happened to my body and how much recovery I've had to and, and healing I've had to do on myself and how much it's impacted my own sex life and pleasure. It's like, it's like really trying to catch women sooner on. Like I was working for six years before I really, really realized that full impact and it's like if we can, you know, help women sooner, earlier on in their journey, then it's going to really save them a lot of heartache and pain and frustration later on when they realize the damage that, you know, really not having boundaries or not having consent or not really being able to listen to their bodies and speak up can have long term. 
Totally, totally. And and also then how to speak that to another person, like how to be able to speak boundaries and teach someone else boundaries as well. Uh, um, you know, incredible their gifts, but they're also, I guess, the key to someone who may want to do this kind of work for a longer period, you know, that it may be a chosen career. If it's a chosen career, you have to operate in a way that honours yourself as the first priority. Yeah, and there's a lot of um, workers that think, you know, I've got a, I've got a time limit here, like as I get older, like I'm not going to get clients but really like working as a sacred sexual healer, like it's, it's timeless. Like you, you, totally. how mm-hmm. you look or how old you are is, is actually irre- is irrelevant. Your clients aren't coming to you for that. They're, they're coming to you for healing. And if anything, I think your life experience is, has so much value and wisdom in it for, for clients as well. So, I mean, I really think this is it's available for, for women of all, ages over 18 just to, just to make that clear oh yes over 18 but yeah. <laughs> look i i certainly agree i think the the essence of a woman just grows and grows and grows and that men will always gravitate to that knowledge um whatever the external package is or whatever the age of your external body men are coming for that uh, that inner knowing or that inner healing that you're sharing with them and that is ageless and not related to how you look externally at all. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So we are going to continue this conversation in further episodes because this has been amazing and I notice we're coming up to time now and there's so many more things that we could share about. So <laughs> what, what we want to leave you with though is um, – if you are curious about joining us in person and learning this, then just go to www.consciousexualityexperience.com. I'll also put that in the show notes and feel free to also reach out to me on social media, social media under EJ Love or EJ Love Official. And Anna, where can they find out about your upcoming events, your conscious sexuality parties, What's the best website or Instagram? Go www.club687.com or there is a social media which is at Club 687. Okay, amazing, beautiful. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here and I look forward to our further conversations where we're going to go a lot deeper and um super excited for other other people to be hearing from you because you, you are just such a wealth of wisdom and i'm so <laughs> grateful to have had you on this podcast and to continue um you know sharing more thank you for tuning in to this episode of deep sexy play if you're ready to get sexy then i have a playbook full of intimate questions sexy games and deep connection practices which you can get at deepsexyplay.com. If this episode stimulated your mind, I invite you to like and follow the podcast. And if you're feeling extra sexy or got something out of this episode, then I would love to receive and read your review. To connect with me and my listeners, you're welcome to join my free, private, Deep Sexy Play Facebook group. 
You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at EJLoveOfficial, where you'll also find my latest offerings and ways to work with me. All these links are in the show notes. I hope you'll be back for more deep, sexy play.